Hey everyone, welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie pad podcast where we talk about movies off of the 200 best horror movies of all time list from RottenTomatoes.com. My name is Clay and with me as always is Amanda. Amanda, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm actually, uh, I was I'm, I'm very excited that we got to do this movie. Um, we, uh, oh, good. We usually, uh, this is our 10th episode. And if you've been listening to the show, you should know that every five episodes, we take a jump off of the uh, Rotten Tomatoes list and do something that is brought to the table by either me or Amanda, and this was Amanda's choice, uh, yes, notable notable movies that are not on the list that, that we would like to talk about. And this week, we will be talking about The Innkeepers. Now, um, obviously, you brought the movie to the table. Uh, I had... Mm-hmm. I had seen it before, once before, uh, years ago, and I had enjoyed yeah. it, and it's always been one of those where it's kind of like, yeah, that was, that was all right. That was pretty good. But I had never really had the urge to go back and revisit it, so I'm glad I'm glad that we did. But um, why oh, why did you uh, pick this one? Uh, I, I picked this one because it was, it was one of those ones that I sort of stumbled on unexpectedly mm. with no real recommendation or foreknowledge of what it was about mm-hmm. so when i when i listened to it or listened to it <laughs> when i when i first watched it i was kind of blown away because i had never heard of the director any of the actors or the movie itself and so when i watched it i just remember like walking away really satisfied Mm, yeah. So I want I wanted to revisit it. I wanted the opportunity to sort of see if it held up at all. Yeah, uh, Ty West is is sort of the as far as horror directors go, he's sort of the king of. Uh, oh yeah, that guy. In that yeah. in that he makes <laughs> solid movies that yeah you, that don't really get a lot of traction for some reason. He's a he's a very kind of he's a very very indie horror movie uh, director who tends to make pretty solid movies. Um, yeah, he has, yeah. He has he's one, not like an auteur or anything. Yeah, he he's he flies under the radar quite a bit, and I did want to talk about that mm-hmm. a little bit a little bit later on. Uh, he has one that is on the list called um, House of the Devil, which yes. uh, I, I know you have not seen, right? You're correct. Well, I think I think if you like this one, I think you will enjoy House of the Devil. So I'm looking forward to getting to that one. Um, yeah, I've, I've been looking forward to it as well. Yeah, excellent. And uh, this one again, like I said, was is not on the list. However, it does have an eighty percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Which yeah, that's another reason why I picked it. Yeah, because it, it it's actually really highly rated. Yeah, and the fact that it's not on the list is is interesting. I think. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's something in there that I do want to talk about later as well because there seems to be a huge disparity between yeah. the the. <laughs> People who like this movie and the people who absolutely hate it. And if you go to the mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, you can see that the critics seem to really enjoy it, but the audience does not. <laughs> and uh, it, I, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that a little bit later on. But um, sure. yeah, I guess we will uh, play the trailer and we will be right back with The Innkeepers. Do you know the story of Madeline O'Malley? She was the woman that died here in the hotel. She hung herself after her fiancé stood her up on their wedding day. And ever since then, people have reported seeing the ghost of Madeline O'Malley. 
roaming the hallways waiting for her lover. Some say she's even looking to take up a new one. This is our last weekend open, so we've got to find some proof that Madeline O'Malley really exists before this place closes down. I have my microphone so we can make do with EVP investigations. Yes, I'd like a room for the night. Since the hotel is practically empty, we might have a good chance of making some real contact. What was that? with the spirits in this hotel I can help you do that what do they want to live you mustn't go down into the basement under a blanket of blue just you and I beneath the stars All right, The Innkeepers from 2011, directed by Ty West, written by Ty West, starring Sarah Paxton, Pat Healy, Kelly McGillis, and I was going to be snarky and say a, uh, and also featuring a quote, must be friends with the director cameo from Lena Dunham, but um, <laughs> Girls actually didn't come out until 2012, so she might have just done this as just a regular job. I don't know. She she was not like, yeah. she was not like capital L, capital D, Lena Dunham at this point. Yeah, she was not a thing yet. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's basically it. There's like five people in this whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what happens in this movie, Amanda? When two employees at a New England hotel decide to investigate stories of hauntings and ghosts, their curiosity awakens an unwanted presence. That's it. That's the summary. All right. That's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that kind of sums up the amount of action in the movie, so. Yeah. So a few things you'll find in this movie include GeoCities websites. Mm. The high stakes world of the service industry. Yep. Your terrible college boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And a high probability of questionable parenting. Yeah, we stretched it a little bit thin on this one, but <laughs> I think there is enough evidence to say that there is questionable parenting involved in this movie, just not necessarily with the main characters. Or maybe with the main characters. That's true. That they're yeah. both like college dropouts who are working a dead-end job that is so dead-end it's closing yeah i mean at that point it gets too real though because then it's like doesn't everybody yeah. have questionable parenting if the, that's the bar the millennial plight at this point yeah yeah um you know the, it, it's funny uh this movie starts with a montage of old pictures like black and yes. white photos and it made me it, i just was thinking about it why are black and white old photos so scary because they they it does a, they do a really they good are. job here of setting the mood right <laughs> off the bat with just like kind of creepy music and some old photos and it works. Yeah. 
I I think like to to get a little a little meta and over like overarching about this. I think that's part of the reason I like this movie so much is mm. that it leans way in to some really worn out uh scary movie haunted house uh New England creepy location stereotypes. Sure. And yet it still works. Like none of like you you can watch it and you can point out like, well, that's like a cliche and that's like a move or or a scene or a sort of vibe or, or trick or whatever that you see in a lot of these movies. But in this one, it still works. And I think that's why I have such an affection for it. Mm. Well, it's I, I do find it fairly. Well, first of all, <clears throat> um, these movies these types of movies, I would I would put like mm-hmm. Paranormal Activity in the same bucket as this. The movies where yeah. they, the the fear is all on you. It's like if you are on board for this, then it's it is your mind is going to go crazy, and you are going yeah. to scare the crap out of yourself. In addition, yes. more so than they could ever do in the movie. Um, but if you are not on board for it, this movie is going to be the most boring thing you've ever watched in your life. <laughs> And but it, and I these movies I, work on these these work on me. These are the ones where I watch them. I watched this last night, where it was yeah. really windy. It had been raining all day. It was like yep, midnight, yep. and I would be lying if I if I didn't say that uh, that I watched an episode of Cheers before I went to bed after it was over. <laughs> because it it's it's the kind of scary where you start thinking about all of the you know, nooks and crannies of your own house and you start to distrust the space that you're in. And I thought f- for a movie with very little budget, I thought they did a really good yes. job uh, of building that sort of uh, tension and fear. Yeah, so I, I I would say out of, you know, this, this is the 10th movie that we have watched and, and discussed. I would say that unless I'm forgetting one, I think this is this is the one that actually kind of scares me. Yeah, I think I'm right there in with you. In a way, yeah, that the other ones don't for whatever reason. And may- maybe part of it is the topic or the setting or that things just get so outlandish and out of hand or feel so um, constructed. Mm-hmm. And this one feels, again, as as somebody who has, who's, you know, born and raised and has lived in New England my whole life, this... You know, it feels kind of familiar, right? Like these places, these sorts of things, and these sorts of people, and and yeah, just the tone and the way they set up the scares in this. I I think it works. Yeah, and it's it's not the setting too is it's not an exceptional looking place. It's not like it's yeah. not like the Overlook where it's this massive uh, labyrinthine, uh, if that's the word, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, I think you are. Uh, maze of rooms and and hallways. It's like bigger than a bed and breakfast because like a bed and breakfast would be too small to be really that scary, but it's not so big that you end up getting into a shining situation where it's just like, oh, the craziness of the space. It's like just big enough (laughs) for stuff to happen on different floors and it to creep you out because I think that's – where these movies live, these types of horror movies live, is mm-hmm. where if you're in a, ru- a a space that is unfamiliar and big enough where every sound uh, could be literally anything. 
Yeah, and not being able to see clearly, like mm-hmm. like not having a sight line or some easy way to be like, oh, I know what that is. That's just the pipes in the bathroom upstairs. It's like, no, there's there's three floors and there's a basement. Mm-hmm. And it's big enough on each of those floors that if you hear a noise from, quote unquote, upstairs, it's like, okay, is that directly above me? Is it two floors above me where there are guests staying? Is it three floors above me? And no one is supposed to be up there. It's it's that kind of thing. Right, right. Um, yeah, I th- and I think what they do really well, um, there's a, a quote from Christopher Lee that uh, I heard him say on a commentary for a... Uh, this, mo- this great old movie he did called uh, shit. Uh, I think it was. It's called City of the Dead, or possibly I think the alternate name is Horror Hotel. I don't know. We might end up watching it because I really enjoy it. But uh, I was going to say I feel like I've heard of City of the Dead. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. It's from like 1960. It's like a it's a semi Lovecraftian thing that takes place. It's like half Lovecraft, half witches. It takes place in uh, in like fake Salem, sort of. Uh, it's a fun. It it's a fun like movie. My kind of yeah, party. I think you would enjoy it. Um, <laughs> but he was talking about. Uh, he said, um, "The most terrifying thing on Earth is an open door," and I think he's a hundred percent right because yeah. it's the. I it goes into with this movie specifically. It 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 goes into how they they film in this movie uh, because they do something. I should say they don't do something that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when they shoot in a in a scary movie situation full of, you know, you've got these rooms and you don't know what's in the rooms. They always shoot them from inside the room. So you can see the people like peeking into the room and I never find oh. that scary. I find it so much scarier if you are following the person as they're going through the door. Yeah, you're seeing it from their point of view, right? Because yeah, they you are then if you if you are from the camera point of view inside the room, you've essentially even if it's a dark room, you've essentially diffused any uh, anticipation of what that room might be because it's yeah. even it's just it's just enough to kind of make it not that scary because you have you are now somewhat familiar with the space. But if you're coming in through the door, you have no idea what's on the other side of that door. It could be anything. The best example of this, I mean, they they do more or less the same thing in this movie, but the best example of mm-hmm. this is in um, Twin Peaks' Fire Walk With Me, when they go up into oh. the house and she opens that door and then, like, Bob is yeah. just there. and he, Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. That's the scariest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> David Lynch is no, really good t- at that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're totally right. And there there's a... There's a thing that this movie does that there are these these shots and excuse my my ignorance in terms of like the technical language of of, you know, cinematography, but there are these shots that are sort of like like they're not eye level with the actors. They're these sort mm. of like mid-level I want to say tracking shots, but I don't know if that's quite the right term Mm -hmm. where it's almost like something that's kind of waist high is just sort of like smoothly and unnaturally like flowing through the air towards uh, Claire usually. Right, right. It's it's this really like if you pay attention, they do it like two or three, maybe four times in the whole movie where it's like something moving at like waist or hip height 
like through the air kind of down the hallway at her. Mm. And I, I really enjoy it because it's this very unnatural position. Right, right. It, it's like, yeah, it's it's not a human perspective that you're getting like I'm walking towards somebody. It's this like very, uh, it's, it's in a weird perspective. It's in a weird sort of like gliding motion. Mm. And I think it, it, they use it to good effect at certain moments where otherwise it wouldn't really feel like a big deal, but they sort of throw them in every so often. And I, I appreciate them. Yeah. I think, I think the camera work as far as building that sense of tension and unease is, is really good overall, whether it's, uh, mm -hmm. the stuff I was saying about the door or the camera movement, or, um, they do this other thing that was actually really interesting. Um, <clears throat> we can talk about a little bit more as we get into the characters is there's a few moments where they're really effective at creating um, unease in personal relationships by just the way that they handle the camera. I'm thinking yeah. specifically of when Claire goes up to wake up. Uh, what the hell's his name? Jeff? No. What the, uh, hell's his name? The, the guy, Luke. Luke. Yes. Luke. Uh, she goes after she has her uh, her in first encounter. She goes up to wake up Luke and he's, you know, in his underwear because he's been sleeping and he walks he walks into his bedroom and just kind of sits on the bed in the darkness. And he says, come on in. But from her point of view, it, it very quickly becomes slightly uneasy and becomes yeah. I don't want to say threatening, but like. There's a little less safety there than there is when they're both at work. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I actually think threatening is a great is a great word to use in that moment because it, it's not that he's actively trying to be threatening. It's mm -hmm. that she feels threatened. Right, right. And those are kind of like I, I think that's like an interesting thing that this movie does throughout where you know, as as most movies are, with the exception of things like American Psycho, where you get a lot of first person narration, you're by necessity and by the very nature of the thing, you're in this sort of third person omniscient point of view. Right. But what this movie does that I like is that it puts you in Claire's mindset a lot. Mm. Like you're sort of seeing you're seeing things through her eyes. Almost for, exclusively. Almost, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're sort of like, you know, she goes up and I, if you saw that scene from Luke's point of view, it would be a very different, you know, he'd be kind of probably freaked out and jarred by being woken up that way. And then he'd be a little bit nervous because he clearly has a crush on her and he's like mm -hmm. in his underwear and she's standing in the doorway. Right. It would be it would be a scene you could almost play as like sort of like sweet an anticipatory like ooh, will they or won't they is this going to be a romantic moment mm -hmm. if it were from his point of view but because it's from hers there's something uneasy there that i think reflects like her mindset much more than it reflects his behavior yeah and it's 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 an interesting choice because with her point of view um you see that she is not super uh She's not standoffish, but she is not quick to kind of let people in, it seems, uh, yeah. or, or necessarily trust people, even if it's someone like Luke who she knows. Like there's another instance where they, again, they, they create this element of unease with the camera where she goes in to talk to um, Kelly McGillis, uh, Lean. <laughs> 
Leanne. Leanne. They call her, does she call her, he calls her Lee, right? She calls her Lee? Lee. I was confused. Yeah. It is, it does read, now that I'm looking at it, it does read as Leanne, but I thought it was Lean because she kept saying Lee. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize <laughs> well, she was and saying her, Lean. Her, her whole name sounds like four separate names. It's yes, like Leanne yeah. Reese Jones, which yeah. is a very long name. Yes. Uh, but she goes in and, and wakes her up and from out of her, her uh, drunken uh, pass out, whatever, blackout. Not only blackout. I don't want to assume. But uh, Look, it's called Friday night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's a moment where she opens up a drawer and reaches in the drawer to get something. And the way that they shoot it is is the camera's positioned as such where it, for a second, becomes slightly threatening about what she's getting. Like, you don't know if it's going to be a Bible you don't know if it's going to be yeah. a gun. You know, it's it's yeah. just it I I was I was surprised that just the the placement of the camera was so effective at making me go, "Ooh, geez, I don't know what the hell's in there." And it's that's what you would kind of think in that situation if you're talking to someone and they just kind of you don't someone you don't know and then they go and reach into this drawer to pull something out. There's going to be a second where you go, "Oh shit, what did I get myself into?" Um yeah, yeah, there's a lot there's like an underlying current of paranoia through the whole mm. thing. Um because even the first time she meets Lee and she she goes up to the room to bring her towels and she's very excited because she's a fan and all of this different stuff. And she comes up and and Lee comes out of the shower and she, and Lee is just wearing a towel. Mm-hmm. And yet I have like a note where I feel like in that scene, Lee is more clothed than Claire is. Mm. Even though Claire is the one who's fully dressed and Lee is just sitting on the bed in a towel. Yeah. Because there's this there's this moment where like Claire says something to her and then the camera just look like sits and like looks at Lee and she's just smoking her cigarette and she's not reacting and she's not giving you anything. Right, right. And there's this moment where you could read any level of sort of malicious intent or like ill will into into that scene and i think it's really well done yeah absolutely um and i i think it's a good point to get into the characters the two the two main characters in this mm-hmm. movie are claire and luke who work at the yankee peddler inn which is actually a real place <laughs> or i should say it was a real place in connecticut um it still exists but it mm. has been closed since 2015 uh, they closed in 2015 for renovations, and they have not opened since. And there is no dun, plans dun, dun. to open it, which I'm sure you're bummed out about because I'm sure you would like to stay there. I am super bummed out because I would absolutely stay there. Yeah, that's where they shot it too. So it's like it would look exactly <laughs> oh, like really. Living. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So they uh, Claire and Luke are they work at the hotel. They're the only people there. The hotel is on its in the process of being shut down for good, and Claire is. Uh, she's a very fragile character. She's uh, a, a, a kind of a waif of a girl uh, who could be anywhere mm-hmm. from like 18 to 23, depending on, you know, who knows. Um, yeah. And she's got asthma that is brought on very easily by scaring her um, <laughs> or other yeah. things. And uh, Luke, her co-worker, seems to be much older. And he is... Mm-hmm apparently into building a website about ghosts and uh it's a very dated looking website which made me wonder when this was supposed to take place because there's not a lot of like (laughs) identifying 
markers for the time period which it takes place. But based on the website, it's like 1996. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it's funny you should say that because I I didn't really have that as a first thought, but um, I watched probably five sixths of this movie with Greg, my husband, mm-hmm. um, and. <laughs> That was his first, like, he was like, wait a minute, does this take place in 1994? Like, yeah. when is this? Because he saw those websites and he also thought they looked even more dated than the 2011 re- release date would right, lead you right. to believe. Uh, um, and Luke is not super serious about ghosts, at least not the way that Claire is. Um, and I don't know if you... <laughs> When she goes onto his computer uh, to try and find his ghost website and drops down the history tab, oh god! <laughs> I don't know if you if you bothered to read what those were. I don't uh, think you could avoid reading what okay. his, uh, browser well, history has. So then you won't be surprised or shocked when I read them all to you because I paused it and wrote them all down. <laughs> uh, Luke has a, a history of uh, questionable websites that have all taken. Oh, that's precedence. what we should have said. Yes, that have uh, have all taken precedence <laughs> over his his ghost website which include uh butt crumpets home of the original oh my god (laughs) jolly jumping pussies i thought you were joking about reading them oh no i wrote them all down (laughs) jerky blasters with a z the spank shaft the tit punch oh my god no the itty bitty titty council because i assume the committee was already a, a website taken um, and my f- my favorite of all of them, tit slap tub girl soup, <laughs> <laughs> the bang pickup truck, Chinese pancakers, and real hauntings. Oh, wow! I I feel like the tit slap tub girl soup is the two girls one cup of it's, the year twenty eleven. Yeah, it's got to be in that in that uh, <laughs> wheelhouse. Oh my god. But, no, so, so okay, so just to 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 finish establishing a little bit of of these characters, these oh, two I main feel characters, like I feel like that covered it. I mean, that covers Luke. <laughs> that covers Luke one hundred percent. Um, but but there's this. It's interesting because when it started, like like when the movie starts, and you're sort of um, unceremoniously introduced to these two and where they work and and what's going on. I, it took me a minute to realize how much older I think Luke is mm. than Claire. Mm. Like I knew, I knew right away that she looked very young. Um, but yeah, it definitely took me a minute to realize the sort of the the um, the inequality between the two of them, where she clearly sees him as this like much older, more experienced, and 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 she talks about. Oh well, when you've seen um, what what's the ghost name? It's like Mallory, Madeline. No, uh, Ma- that's it, Madeline. Madeline O'Malley. Madeline O'Malley. Thank you. I, I kept thinking Molly Malloy, which is a very different thing. <laughs> um, Madeline O'Malley. Um, and, and and I have a note where, like, really early on between their interactions, I was like, oh. He never saw any ghost. Right. Like, you can pick up on it. There, there, I forget exactly what triggered me to think that. It was something about when she was like, well, when you saw her, blah, 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 did you whatever? And he was just like, well, I don't know. 
Yeah. And I was like, oh. And also, the website he's building, which is supposed to be hauntings from the hotel, is one, it's mm-hmm. got one video on it, and the rest <laughs> of it is completely like under construction, complete with like construction worker Jeff and everything. So it's yeah, like, he's, yeah. it's not something he's taking very seriously. Right, right. You get you get these hints pretty early. These I shouldn't even say hints. These these pretty clear indicators very early on that he is not as invested in the ghost story as she is. Mm. But you can tell that she doesn't see that. Right. Like like she believes him and she wants to believe in him and she wants to believe they're they're kind of in this together and that he understands her and her interest in this. And yeah. he wants her to believe that. Cause as we see later, he's got a giant creepy crush on her. Yeah. She's, she thinks, she thinks the ghost stuff is cool. And he thinks that it's cool that the cute young girl is into him. Cause is into, thinks the things that he's doing are cool, which then as anyone who is a guy knows, will instantly develop into a crush almost immediately. <laughs> And that's how he becomes your terrible college boyfriend. Yes, yeah. Uh, so, but what do you? How do you feel about their relationship overall? I know we're we're kind of like sidestepping the actual like ghost stuff, which we will get to. But I think I think yeah. What's really fun about this movie is there's so little they 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 give you so much without telling it to you. It's a lot of it's a lot of character yeah. interactions. It's a lot of you. Not just the 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 scary stuff is stuff that you pull out, but the character relationships is stuff you actually have to like be aware of and and pull from details. You know the th- what you're supposed to do in a in a moving p- picture story. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I think that's another reason why I I know some people their criticism of this movie is that they think it's boring because mm. there aren't any real. There, there's a couple. You know, there, there's there's several moments where there's tension or discomfort, but there's not a lot of ghost sightings for the first, oh, I don't know, right. hour and 15 minutes of this hour and 40 minute long movie. Um, and, and if you're looking for just, you know, wall to wall scares and blood running up the walls and stuff, this is definitely not for you. Mm. Um, but I like that this movie does what I think good narrative and good character work does which is it shows you it doesn't Mm. just spoon feed you uh so like you can pick up like like there's a moment where claire says to luke do you ever think back on uh dropping out of college (laughs) yes and he says every day Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like to me that made it made me realize like oh he dropped out of school and I think she's dropped out of school. Yeah, it's it's unclear where she is in her life so much. It, well, because Lee Lee asks her, "What are you doing? Right, what are right. you gonna do?" And she has she she doesn't say like, "Oh, this is my summer job. This is my part time job. I'm just doing this before college. Mm-hmm. This is it. This job is is all she has. She's not going to school. She clearly doesn't have." You know, a boyfriend who's calling her. There are no friends trying to stop by to see her at the Yankee Peddler Inn. Mm-hmm. It's, it's her relationship with Luke is the most intimate relationship we get to see in her life. And it leaves this like very yawning chasm of of what else does she have? And now once this place closes, where does she go from there? Right. 
do you find do you find their relationship to be at all creepy? Because I, I, it's tough because I don't necessarily <laughs> find it creepy because he doesn't do anything. Like he doesn't try to take advantage of her or anything. He clearly has some sort of crush on her, and he's playing yeah. up the ghost stuff because he knows that she likes it. But I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's creepy past the the fact that he's clearly older than she is. So it, it's the sort of relationship that actually got less creepy to me as the movie went on. Okay. And his attraction to her became more text rather than subtext. Sure. Um, like the, there's there's the moment. So, you know, they're spending these last few days of the inn being opened. They're the only two employees. The boss is like, don't call me. Um, and they only have, at, at any given moment, they have a maximum of two guests. Right. And, you know, there's the second floor rooms and the third floor rooms, which have already been stripped and emptied. So it's pretty empty and it's just them kind of, you know, wandering around this this mostly abandoned inn. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the inevitable, we're bored <laughs> and they both get drunk. Sure, sure. So it they, seems- get, they get drunk together. It seems mm-hmm. like that's their last night, too. At least that's what the implication is. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it makes sense. I mean, she. I think at that point, she's already kind of freaked herself out about stuff. And, and she's gone and, and woken him up and all of this. But when they got... When they get drunk, that that is the moment where I sort of was like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, right. like I couldn't fully... I, I've only seen this movie once before and it was a couple years back and i couldn't remember where things went after that point and i was like this could be the moment where he goes from a little creepy to like full-on creepy Mm. and he 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 has this moment where they're sort of drunkenly joking about her uh recording of when when she was alone one night and she recorded the piano playing by itself right and they, they're like jokingly call it like a reenactment of Claire's ghost encounter. Mm-hmm. And he's about to walk into the main room and he calls it the Yankee pedophile. Inn. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, no. <laughs> but then he, he doesn't like they, they just kind of get drunk and they end up laying around that like living room area. And he's like in a weird way, very sweet. Yeah. Well, where he's like, I would do anything for you. Like, you're amazing. You're so cool. And it's it's very like he's pulling out the college boyfriend material right there. Definitely. (laughs) He he definitely is. But I I think what I'm taking the long way around to say that I think part of why it reads as less creepy to me is that he is just as immature as she is. Sure. Sure. So there's not this like. A gap in experience that's really clear. Mm. Well, as a use that as sort of a segue into the actual the ghost stuff. I do think mm-hmm. there's again they they give you so much without telling it to you in this in this movie. I my takeaway was that him him insisting that they get drunk was probably mm-hmm. in the back of his mind. He's hoping something's going to happen. Like they're going to get drunk and make out or something. Yeah. But what ends yeah. up happening 
because he doesn't want to he's trying to he wants to make out with her so he's going to go along with whatever she wants to do they end up sitting in a terrifying basement listening for ghosts and he ends up <laughs> hearing something we don't even hear what he hears but it scares the yeah. shit out of him and it basically breaks him out of the I'm going to do anything I have to to make out with this girl thing that people do in college and he's just like fuck it I'm out I'm out <laughs> and I I, I, I I like that they don't they don't like give you that background you can kind of imprint his intentions and stuff onto it oh yeah yeah oh absolutely and i would also just like to say that that was probably every first date that any boy ever had with me in college (laughs) well Um, you still every time you go on vacation you you go you make your husband walk through a creepy cemetery so i I think it's still every day i do that's absolutely true uh not 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 to get too into a personal realm but have i have i've told you about uh one of the very early dates between me and my now husband where he he took me on the uh quote-unquote tour of his house oh i think so yes yeah, yeah, where he brought me uh, via flashlight light only into the terrifying unfinished basement of his house that was built in the 1800s. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. a it's a marvel that you're alive. <laughs> I I went down that stairways the stairway thinking he's going to cut my head off and put it in a freezer. <laughs> you bounded down those stairs, and he, as a serial killer, was like, "It can't be this easy." <laughs> He's like, I'm going to skip this one. She's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah, no, but there there are those moments where I think the, the other thing is the act, the actors, the acting is good enough. It's really good. The writing is good and the acting is good enough that you can read their sort of their feelings and what they what they kind of hope or think is happening. Mm. You can see that very easily without it being really explicitly spelled out. Yeah, I think she's great. I think the girl who plays Claire is oh, very, yeah. very good. Um, I did, I did look up and uh, I did notice this as I was watching it, but I thought it was a choice, and apparently hmm. it's not. Um, when they cast her, apparently they almost recast the role because they found out she couldn't scream. And when she did scream, it sounded like it was supposed to be funny. And the few moments that she does scream in this movie, yeah. like when uh, she wakes up after the ghost appears, well, whether it's a dream or not, I don't know, but the ghost appears in her bed, she kind of goes, Hah! like she has this weird like Muppet scream that she does. And I couldn't tell if it was intentionally supposed to be funny, but apparently not. Apparently she just can't scream. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I I love, I really, really love that. I love that that's a genuine thing from that actress and not just a character choice that they made. Because, yeah, I also thought it was just a character choice where it would be like, yeah, she's got asthma. Of course she can't, like, full throat, big breath scream. Like, I I thought it made sense for the character, but I actually love that it's, it's just how that actress lives her life, incapable of screaming. Yes. Um... (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, how, how do you feel about the the actual ghost content? Because we were saying, you know, it, the, your subconscious does a lot of work for this movie. Um, it's a lot of open doors. Uh, the other thing that they do really well, similar on that open door front, is um, when she's going down a hallway, they keep some of the doors open. 
So your eyes start yeah. immediately darting to these little nooks and crannies off of the main path. Instead of it just being a hallway full of closed doors, it, it, it immediately makes things more, more foreboding. It's very good. But they do – there is yeah. actual ghosts in this movie to some extent. Um, <laughs> it is a ghost, ghost story. Uh, how did you feel about the actual supernatural content? Uh, so, so I, I, I think you probably know this by now that I, I am a fan of a sort of less is more approach. I sure. would rather see the ghost or the monster, or whatever, a little bit less mm-hmm. than a little bit too much. Um. So, as much as part of me wishes there was a little more ghost content in this movie. But I, I would prefer that they err on the side of of holding back. Mm. Um, I will say that so there, there are really two main ghosts in this. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Madeline O'Malley, who's kind of the classic. You know, it's 1870. She's in her whole bride outfit. Mm-hmm. She's got like a blood all over her face. Um, but so there's her, and then there's the ghost. Of the third guest. Right. The uh, older gentleman who comes and wants to stay in the honeymoon suite. And then later Claire finds that he has slit his wrists in the bathtub and he's Mm -hmm. committed suicide. He is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You only see him as a... You see him as a corpse once. You see him when he's alive and then you see him as a corpse once. And then you see him as a ghost just twice. Right, right. And he is he is really scary in a way that I I think the Madeline O'Malley ghost the Madeline O'Malley ghost is scary because she has those sort of jump scare moments mm-hmm. where she sort of appears in the background behind somebody or you know the the music sort of builds up to sort of yeah present her that, and make an entrance that for first her. that first scene the where she's under the sheet next to her in bed very good I thought that was yeah. a very good scare yeah. That, yeah, and I, I, again, I think that's one of the things I like a lot about this movie is that it, it it doesn't, you know, there's not a lot of crazy effects. They're not trying to do something um, super, like, meta or subversive or whatever. Like, they're just trying to do kind of a classic ghost story mm. haunted house movie in a way that is effective. And I, and I think they do do that. Well, it's funny. I When I was thinking back about this movie, uh, I realized my memory of it has no ghosts in it. I actually don't oh, remember. Really? I didn't remember there actually being ghosts in the movie. What I remembered was... That's interesting. I remembered the slow burn of everything. Because in my head, I was like, eh, yeah, Innkeepers, I remember being pretty okay. Yeah. But it's pretty... It's I thought it was kind of boring. <laughs> Because uh, I didn't remember that there were actually ghosts that show up. Whether or not they're there, debatable. Oh. Could be in her head. I don't know. I like to think. Sure, that, sure, I always sure. like to think that there are ghosts there. But, um, but I think it's fun that there is that question. Like, yeah. how much of it is ghosts? How much of it is her psychologically deteriorating? Yeah. So I, watching it this time, was actually kind of surprised when they started showing ghosts. And I, because I remembered. Oh, good. I remembered the the creepiness <laughs> of it, and I remembered the way it ends, which is she ends up freaking out and running through the basement. And uh, earlier in the movie, they set up this this locked bulkhead door that she locks, um, and that ends up yeah. being the way she tries to get out of the basement. She can't get out. She has an asthma attack, and she dies. I remembered yep. that stuff because I remembered that being fairly effective, but I did not yeah. remember the ghosts at all. 
And so watching it this time, I almost kind of felt like they laid it on a bit too thick at the end. Because like oh wow they because they they give you the the O'Malley ghost a couple times and then at the end you get the old man walking around the basement being creepy and then she shows up oh he's so scary he is and I'm I'm glad that they do because I think you have to pay it off in some yeah. way it's it's uh you know I think the the high watermark for movies like this traditionally is something like the haunting the original haunting from like 1960 or something. Which, yeah, oh my god, that movie's amazing. Yeah, it's great. And they do <laughs> so much of their work with sound design, which I would also like to talk about a little bit. Um, yes. Because they didn't have any uh, special effects, really, that would be convincing. So it all, it's a lot of uh, sound design stuff and, and camera tricks. Um, and they never oh, really... Man, they, I... <laughs> I was just going to say, they never really give you any ghosts in that movie. There's like one jump scare, but that's about it. Yeah. And this... No, I... I'm so happy that you ended up being surprised by this movie mm. in in some way because I when we were uh, finishing up our recording for the previous episode and I revealed to you that this was the movie that I had chosen I could hear in your voice where you were sort of like oh mm. okay oh well, we're going to watch the innkeepers <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit, Clay hates I wasn't, this movie." I wasn't that down on it. No, but Fuck, I, but my memory—he's so bored. My memory of it was that it was, it was kind of creepy, but it was also kind of boring. And I went into it this time, <laughs> assuming I was going to have the same reaction. I was like, "All right, maybe I'll watch half yeah. of this movie tonight and I'll finish it tomorrow because I'll probably fall asleep." I was into it the whole time. I was, I oh, was, good. yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Um. <laughs> and the the yeah the ghost stuff that they do give you I think at this point in in history you kind of have to pay it, pay it off a bit it's really difficult to pull something off like this and not pay it off um yeah I've seen modern movies that try and I don't think that they're very successful uh mm-hmm. mileage will vary um <laughs> but I think one of the cool things that they do in this is the stuff with the EVP recordings that they do. And that's where the sound design comes in. Because I, I was going to talk yeah. about, you know, we like to talk about the music and stuff. The music is fairly unremarkable. It's fairly run-of-the-mill. It's not bad. It's just like it's, you know, ghost story music. It's not anything to write home about. The, yeah, I, I I enjoy it because I think, again, it's it's sort of leaning into all sure. the tropiness yeah. and, and, and everything of the whole thing. Um, but like, where to, it's, you know, a, a New England inn, so we're going for full classic haunted house right. music. Yeah, it just doesn't – I, I expect that sort of thing, I guess. So it doesn't stand out to me the way, say, like the soundtrack to Starry Eyes does, you know? It's just – it's sure. it's there. Um, okay. Uh, what does stand out to me, though, is the sound design, which is, I think, the star yeah. of this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, because they give you, uh, when they start doing their EVP recordings and, you know, uh, people are wearing headphones and they've got the microphones and stuff, they get you right into the headphones and uh, mm-hmm. they do um, auditorily. Sure. Let's use that. Yes, yes, that is a word, the, and you said it correctly. Excellent. They do auditorily <laughs> what they do visually as far as making you work for the scare because they do that thing where yeah. you you now become the person in the headphones with the volume turned all the way up, so all you can hear is just the hum of the ambient noise, 
and you yep. end up doing the same thing you do when you're looking into the dark corners of the room where your ears just start straining for something and you just keep yeah. waiting for something to happen. So you start getting a chill up your own spine, even though nothing's happened. And then they give yeah, you they, something they, when they give it to you. I thought it was actually really effective. It's not they don't do any jump scares. It's like such an easy place to do a jump scare, but they don't. They just give you creepiness mm-hmm. that all helps build towards the end of the movie. Yeah, and, and 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 there are the more obvious moments, like when Claire puts on the headphones and, and she really can just kind of hear that that sort of weird, it's not like a crackle, but it's that, that sound when you crank the volume way, way up and you're like straining to listen for something. Mm-hmm. But there's even moments where like when, when uh, she rings the service bell on the desk... Sure. And she rings it and, and it kind of like holds this like it even as it like goes and fades out, it holds this like one really high pitched but like subtle note like longer than you would expect. Mm, yeah. And there. Yeah. There are these little interesting things like that, like when, when a door creaks open or a floorboard creaks where they just kind of they tweak it every ever so slightly to just draw a little extra attention to those things. Yeah, I think it's really difficult to pull something like this off now unless you're really going to focus on it. Because, you know, horror movies try to get you with the sound coming from a different room kind of thing. And it's never scary. It's only there to Mm -hmm. be a motivating (laughs) thing to get some idiot to walk into a room and get stabbed or whatever, you know. It It never works anymore. But with this one, when the sound design becomes part of the focus that they're that they're putting their effort into that's when it really starts to work and i was i was just really impressed by it i i'm really glad we watched this because i think i love this movie <laughs> yeah, this movie is really good that, yeah. that that and that's that's one of the reasons i wanted to to watch this is when when i kind of was going through the list i mean weeks ago when we were first starting out on this endeavor and we had kind of come up with the idea of doing our own our own suggestions every few uh, episodes. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, this is going to be really hard because if it's the 200 best horror movies. Everything I, I want to watch is going to be covered. And then this was definitely one of the first ones that I thought like, oh, yeah, this is probably like, you know, this is like 165 or whatever. And then I went through the list and I was like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's, this is a good, scary movie. It's got a higher rating than uh, even adjusted score. It has a higher mm-hmm. rating than everything in the bottom 10 on the list. I believe that completely. It, it, this has a higher rating than The Ring. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That one actually surprises yeah. me. Yeah. So I guess we can jump into that then. Do you think do you think that this deserves to be on the list? I absolutely do. If I'm looking if I'm looking at this bottom 10. Oh man, it's weird cuz this bottom 10 has good movies in it. Like it, it's 190 190 through 200 has Nightmare on Elm Street uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Jacob's Ladder, The Mist, Basket Ooh. Case. Uh you know what? Get Phantasm the fuck out of here. I don't like Phantasm. <laughs> I would happily sacrifice Phantasm to put this movie in. But but I think I think even beyond um you know the bottom 10 there are some movies on this list. It's that are it's great got a higher movies. rating. I'm sorry. It's got a higher rating than the top the bottom 20. Yeah. Well, and and what I was going to say is 
there are some movies on this list that are still great movies sure, and, yeah. and have, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, plethoras of virtue and, and whatever you want to say. But are they necessarily horror movies or scary movies? Sure. Like, like sort of the debate we had when we did American Psycho of, of like, is this a quote unquote scary movie? Is this a horror movie? Does this belong on this list or does it belong on a different list? Right, right. And, and so there's that there's kind of that push and pull, too, where it's like if we're talking about the 200 best horror movies, how how is this one not on it? Right. But some other stuff that that's kind of questionably even classified as a horror movie the haunting, is making it on The there. Haunting also not on the list. So we might have to go really? back and do that one at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should. That one. That would be fun. So. Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to there, – there's one last thing I meant to, to mention earlier, yeah. and it's about um, it's about characterization through, um, like, visual cues. Mm. And I think this movie does such a great job of that where, where you know, the characters you really see are – I mean, it's, it's, it's maybe, you know, six people total. Yeah, just about, uh, through, yeah. Through the whole movie, which is great. Yeah. Um, but there's this like attention to detail in the way the characters are physically presented that I really appreciate, mm-hmm. especially with Claire. Um, because so she she's got her Yankee peddler uh maroon polo shirt that she has to wear as part of her uniform. Mm-hmm. But over the few days that this movie takes place, she's also only ever wearing the same pair of jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got socks. I mean, shoes with no socks. She's got one pair of pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she has like her nail polish is so chipped off. Yeah. Yes. That it's almost gone. She just has this very undone presentation. Yeah. She's got her chipped nail polish. Her hair is also. Like, as somebody who's had many, many different lengths of hair, mm-hmm. that's not a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is somebody growing out a pixie cut. Sure. But it's not a decision she made about herself. That's an interesting way to put it. Yes, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I appreciate those little details about how she's sort of not put together and doesn't have an aesthetic or a direction. Yeah. I Yeah, I think it's interesting visual characterization. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think that stuff plays into, like, again, it, they do such a good job visually of giving you that story without telling it to you. I think that mm-hmm. plays into the reception of this movie, which is uh, the last thing I want to talk about because usually we talk about like, Oh, who would you recommend this movie to? And it's tough because like I said, at the beginning, you really have to be in the mindset to watch this movie. It's not flashy. There's not a lot of, you know, gory stuff. They're not throwing a lot of story at you. You're just sort of like marinating in the, in the setup or in, in the, in the environment and it's counting on you to do a lot of the work. 
And I don't think that makes it a bad movie. I think it makes it something that you actually have to sit with and consider. And so mm-hmm. I'm not surprised, especially given the people who like to rate this stuff on like IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes yeah. and stuff. I'm not surprised that those people don't like this movie. Um, not that I'm gen- – I don't want to generalize, but it doesn't seem like they're necessarily <laughs> their cup of tea. Um because it is it is a fairly uh, you don't see a lot of movies like this anymore, in, especially in the horror genre. It's, it's usually a lot flashier. So uh, yeah, recommending it is tough for me. What do you think? Yeah, it it is a difficult like it it doesn't fit neatly into any specific boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's. A good movie for people who are fans of classic, like horror movies and haunted house movies. I think those folks would enjoy this. I think so. Anybody too. who likes, like, sort of uh, local urban legendy kind of like historical hauntings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Definitely. So I think that's going to do it for our coverage of the innkeepers. You know, there was some, one other thing that I wanted to talk about, but I'm going to wait hmm. because I am going to put my thumb on the scale a little bit for next week. Uh, I had hit the randomizer, and it had landed on number 150, which is the others, which I was also oh. very excited to do that because I haven't watched that in a while, and I really like that movie. However- I like that movie a lot. I'm going to put my thumb on the scale and say next time we do House of the Devil because I think it would be interesting to watch these two movies by Ty West back to back and kind of maybe compare them a little bit and maybe talk about him and why maybe we think he hasn't quite broken out yet because I looked at his uh, um, IMDb page and... The last movie he did was um, – let me pull it up here. The last movie he did was in 2016, and for the past four years, he's just been doing television. And everything before that, he did a couple bits of TV, but he did mostly movies. Mm. And a lot of movies that were relatively well-received are actually very well, very well-received, House of the Devil being chief among them. So – Huh. I'd like to. I'd like to. I think doing the back to back will be interesting, um, and to see, especially because you haven't seen House of the Devil, and and I'm interested to see what you what you uh, think of it. So, uh, calling yeah. an audible, and next week we will be doing. <laughs> if that's okay with you, anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So next week we'll be doing number 143, which is Ty West's House of the Devil. Uh, yeah. So thank you guys for listening, Amanda. You have any final thoughts you want to put out there before we? sign off uh i i do not (laughs) excellent anyway (laughs) thank you guys for listening amanda thank you for joining me and uh we will see we will see you. you next time with house of the devil bye everybody